Church slash Rams fans to your off-season podcast of the Westside Lions podcast. It is your host here, Ben Miller, at Lions Westside on Twitter. We are all in high spirits here because we all love Matthew Stafford, and we now get a chance to see him in the Super Bowl, finally. We just got to witness the the uh, playoff, the NFC playoff game last night and watch Stafford pull it out. So we are all repping our number nine jerseys today. We got our nine jerseys on, so we are living vicariously through him into his first Super Bowl in his however many years now that he's in the NFL. So bravo to him. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that game and, and, and kind of just briefly about Stafford here in a second. But before we get into it, let's get into who we've got. Again with us, we've got Jake Krieg and Austin Rudlin is here. Jake, how are you doing today? How did you feel watching Matthew Stafford become a Super Bowl invitee? I mean, I feel great. Last night, I mean, I, I felt like a toddler just crying, and I was so happy for Stafford because, you know, he did so much for us, and it's just finally good to see him. Yeah. It, 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 I don't know if you guys saw, but um, the NFL Instagram account posted, like, all the uh, Rams players, like, reacting to, mm-hmm. with their families, and just it's just, like, it's so wholesome because – this time they actually have a really good chance, and it's it's going to be such a good game. It's it's really awesome to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll, I'll switch over to Austin. Austin, were you crying as well, thinking about our boy going into the into the Super Bowl finally? Um, I was not crying, but I was, was darn crying. close. <laughs> he was crying. Let's we all held back yeah. tears. <laughs> all right, all right. No, yeah, I mean that was a great game to watch last night. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what I don't know what else to say. I mean, it was just so much fun to watch. Um, yeah, I mean they came out and they played a great game. So, mm-hmm. you know, kudos to them. Hats off. So let's talk about let's talk about Stafford real quick. Um, obviously, the very clear observation has been made. Stafford with the Lions for however many years did not win a playoff game, did not do anything, did not get a Super Bowl. Then his first season with the Rams takes them to a Super Bowl. Which then leads many NFL players to say, were the Lions really that bad? Let's talk about it. So... I want to go first on this one. I think when you think of Matthew Stafford and this Rams team and what they've done this year, I don't think you can just look at it as a compare one team to the other. We all know that Detroit had very much trouble like trying to build their team to be any kind of contender. They had maybe two or three good years where they had a great defense and a pretty good offense. This Rams team is a full out, like built in a shop in the backyard with all of the bullies you could find, all of the like 16 year old steroided people coming to play peewee ball for you. Like, it's not a fair comparison here. They've got the best player in the NFL, Aaron Donald. They've got Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, all of these guys that, you know, (laughs) 
It's a superpower. Like, they are a super team. It's not a fair comparison. I think that even on, like, a normal team, I feel like he would have at least competed for playoff spots. I don't want to give him all of the credit to say, because Matthew Stafford is there, they are Super Bowl players. I think it has to have a caveat. Matthew Stafford is there with a ton of amazing players around him. Do you guys feel like that's fair to say? Yeah. Austin, you're kind of hesitating. Do you have anything different on that? I mean, it's it's pretty fair, but I mean, I just I go back to the thinking, you know, where would they be if they had golf right now? That's or, the I mean, question, if they right? still had golf That's this the season. Question. Yeah. They would have lost so, in the divisional round to the Buccaneers. That's what would have happened. They wouldn't have been in the divisional round if they had golf. <laughs> but we don't I mean, know. We don't know. Here's a real question for you. For, from this year, how many more games uh, do you think Matthew Stafford would have given the Lions in wins over Jared Goff this year? Just switching the quarterback position for the Lions from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford, how many extra games do you think we would have won, realistically? Four. I think we would have six wins. Austin? Yeah, probably three or four. See, I don't think – yeah, I, I'm, I'm closer to two or three. I really don't know if – I mean, obviously – you know, quarterback going down is going to be more of an impact, but I just, it's hard to say, you know, exactly what all the effort or the impact that the quarterback has, especially when it's built around a entire beast that is the Rams roster. Yeah, Jake, I, can, I, I can see Jake's face completely disagreeing with me. Go ahead, Jake. <laughs> Matthew Stafford at one point did have Calvin Johnson, a top three wide receiver of all time. He did have Marvin Jones. He did have uh, Golden Tate. He had people surrounding him at at points in time, and he he flourished with them. He looked great with them. Right. And he has that this season. I'd say considerably better than the past with uh, Cooper Cup, Odell, and then for the little time he had him was uh, Robert Woods. And he's looked great with them, but I he had somewhat of that in Detroit. So, I mean, it's you, I feel like you're looking at it like it's night and day with what he had because really he has a, the best offense he's ever had, yes, but he's had similar uh, like talent-wise in the past at wide receivers. So it's sure. just but what I, but the I, big big the big difference the defense is the defense. He's yeah. had okay. That's the problem. We've that, had like one, maybe <laughs> two good years on defense, right? And and, and that was and, back when we had Sue and yes. Fairley and and at that point it was never to the level that this defense can get to. Not even like not even just like on a like a normal day for this defense is probably like what we aspired to be with Indomik and Sue, Nick Fairley, you know Glover Quinn. Uh, Quandre, Slay, Slay, all those guys. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if, you know, because it was said very early on when Matthew Stafford was playing in this team. And 
is one of the very early games I remember watching. And one of the announcers said that they talked to Matthew Stafford and they asked him, what is the biggest difference coming to this team? And he said, well, it's a big relief because I don't have to worry so much about making mistakes on offense because he can rely on the defense. <laughs> yeah. And they did it multiple times. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get that soon with us. You know, the Bengals, Bengals are also in the Super Bowl. We just got to follow what they did, right? So the first year they drafted a left tackle. Hey, wait, we did that. The next year they went out and drafted a quarterback. Well, we have a pretty we high draft pick. do that. And then next year we just got to get him as wide receiver, and we're going to the Super Bowl. The Bengals laid out the plan. Same. Are they going to be flipped? <laughs> we'll get a wide receiver this year, and next year we'll get a QB. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But, I mean, if the Bengals can do it, so can we. We just got to get our Joe Burrow. That's the thing. Joe Shiesty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Joe All right. Brrr. So let's let's move into topics about our team. Um. We are now in off season, which means the Lions don't get to be having anything fun happening right now. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at our season overall and we're going to kind of do some grading. We're going to grade on Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes today for the coach and GM uh, grades that we're going to do. We, we have split it up kind of. Um, we've each kind of come up with our own things that we're going to grade these guys on. So I'm going to kind of go in in a circle here and we're just going to go one by one by one. And we're going to each talk about, you know, the different things that we came up with for the grades in order to give our coach the grade, explain why we did what we did. And then at the very end, say, because of all that, we're going to give him this grade. So we're going to just do that. And then we're going to kind of switch it over to Brad Holmes and, and then um, do the same for him. So I'm actually going to go ahead and start with Austin here. I'm going to start with you, and let's just get right into it, Dan Campbell. Okay, so uh, Dan Campbell, overall, I gave him an A. Um, I, I kind of based that off, um, you know, coaching hires, um, locker room, uh, play calling, um so, yeah, so kind of, you know, based on all that, um, for his coaching hires, I gave him a B. Um, for his player buy-in, I gave him an A. Um, I mean, I mean, as you all saw this year, I mean, everybody, whenever they talked about him, they absolutely loved him in the locker room, um, you know, as a head coach. Uh, so that was, that was a pretty high grade for that. Um, Play calling, it, it was not great to start out with, that's for sure. Um, it was kind of to be expected, though. Um, first time head, head coach, first time ever calling plays. Um, I had a B- minus on that. So I put that all together, and he came out with an A. All right. Jake? Um, I used the same list to grade uh, Dan Campbell. I'll just say what I graded everything else first, and I'll say his overall grade for me. Um, coaching hires, I definitely think that's an A. I feel like, personally, the only coach he really kind of missed on was Anthony Lynn. 
as offensive yep. coordinator, but he did take over that role later, and it it worked, I guess. So I, I'd give him an A because he only missed, a, like, a low A. I, I'd consider that. So he definitely hit with the uh, coaching hires. Um, player buy-in is definitely another A. Uh, he had everyone excited to play, and it was definitely a lot different than we saw with Matt Patricia. Play calling is a, like just a normal B for me because at first it was not good at all, but he improved. That's he definitely improved over throughout this season. So I I give him a solid B there, um, and then continue to uh, show improvement. Um, I'd 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 give that an A because he learned from his mistakes most of the time, but um, he's. This looks like he's getting better and better. My faith in him is growing. And then developing p- players, that's definitely another A for me. So I definitely average it out to uh, A-, minus, um, but a very high A-, minus in my opinion, because uh, the only thing that really brings it down a lot is play calling, but he definitely improved. So I definitely give him an A-, minus personally. All right. <clears throat> so I'm going to move over to me now. So with Dan Campbell, when we – if you remember back when we hired him, uh, and we, we all said we didn't really know much about Dan Campbell, right? We're like, how is it possible that we're going to be able to grade this guy coming into the season? And the way we were going to do that was the coaches that he surrounded himself with. And the team that he brought together was fantastic. You had Anthony Lynn who in hindsight didn't really have the correct mindset later on for like how the offense wanted to play. But there's something to be said about finding a guy who can teach you some of the head coaching things and also gets demoted in the middle of the season and is not over here bad talking other people, but he is still helping out the team where he can and, and says to, in the media, you know what? I get it. If I was Dan Campbell, I would do the same thing. There's something to be said about finding those kinds of guys instead of finding like a Matt Patricia kind of guy who, if he gets demoted, guaranteed he's going and crying about it to the media or something. There's something to be said about that, that he's drawing the right types of guys in. And then obviously Aaron Glenn, Aubrey, Pre- Aubrey Pleasant, Deuce Staley. I mean, all those three guys will be head coaches one day. I promise you that those three will be head coaches someday. And one of them may be a head coach sooner than we would like. Oh, God, Sean Payton, why did you retire? Exactly. So <laughs> the hires that he has done, phenomenal. By far, A+. Plus. I'll give it an A, just because Anthony Lynn did not work out. But again, like I said, still something to be said about getting the right type of guy. The play, uh, player buy-in. These guys were fighting tooth and nail till the very end of the season. If you have a team that goes 0-10-1, I promise you, once again, you're going to get some guys that are going to the media, doing whatever, saying, you know, oh, this is not working out. People are, you know, if you remember back in the Matt Patricia times, they were had, what was it, like 3-6-1, and one, and players were already getting, like, on Twitter and bad talking, uh, fatty patty, and, and doing all this stuff, like, it's very clear when you are in your lowest points, there's not any commotion or, or discombobulation. They are all on one track with one mind to get this thing turned around. That's dedication, and that is buy-in. 
So 100% A-plus for player buy-in. Uh, play calling. I'm giving him an A for this one as well because, like you guys said, he started off really rough with the play calling. It was his first time play calling. We all sat here and said, yeah, that might not be smart for him to do. At the end of the season, his play calling was amazing. The only unknown is, are you going to continue to call all of those plays, the trick plays and all that kind of stuff, when you're not in the final games of the season when the wins really don't matter? That's going to be the big test. Is he going to continue to play call like that when it's at the beginning of the season and he's in more games? That's just the biggest thing with that. But I loved, absolutely loved where his play calling got to at the end of the season. And he got this team to continue to show improvement and develop players every single week. Even if it's not just him directly, these coaches that he's got. I mean, clearly if you have two undrafted free agents in AJ Parker and Jerry Jacobs, who not only get a chance to play are starters and then play well, that's developing talent. That's tremendous and an amazing, amazing look for your coach. So, Overall, I give him a solid A, and it, and it's very close to an A-plus for his first season. Um, obviously, the record is not where we wanted it to be, but it was expected by all of us who who could see the writing on the wall with the, with the roster. So I give him a solid A and a very close to A-plus. <clears throat> so we'll move over to Brad Holmes now. I'm actually going to send it the other way around, so I'm going to send it to Jake first with Brad Holmes. All right, I'm glad I started first year because we all know I love Brad Holmes here. But when we look at it sorted into three categories with free agency, draft, and trades, there's a couple red flags here. Um, but so for free agency, I'm going to give him a solid D plus because free agency, I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt here. The Lions did not look like a very desirable destination with a new head coach, a new GM. In my opinion, they didn't look very, um, they didn't look like the right place to be because, you know, they just had Matt Patricia and no one wanted to be there. And no Matthew Stafford anymore. Yeah, no Matthew Stafford. So I will say we didn't, we didn't look very desirable. But when we did uh, sign a a couple people for sure, um, like, Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman, we definitely missed with those. And that is definitely needed to be taken into consideration. Well, we also got a lot of good, uh, solid players, too. I'd say the most uh, noticeable name is Charles Harris. I Mm -hmm. mean, who could have saw that happening? Right. But overall, I'd say we had more misses than hits in free agency. So I'll give give him a D-plus there. But... With the draft and free, um, undrafted free agents, I mean, he hit, it, he hit it out of the park. It's an A-plus for me there. Yeah, they rated the Lions draft as number six in the NFL for this last year. That's crazy. There's not a single pick that I'm looking at in our draft last year, and I'm saying, I don't know about them. Even Levi Unzirike, sorry, it's a mouthful <laughs> of a name, but Levi did not look great in a lot of games this year, but I definitely see a lot of developmental with him because he was a second round pick. So I, I definitely can see room for improvement for him, but that's our worst pick. 
we you just have to think about that for a while. I mean, we absolutely hit it out of the park with Panay Sewell. Uh, we hit it out of the park with Ali McNeil. Der- uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Mm-hmm. Derek Barnes looked well, too. I mean, I mean, these guys, like, all looked good. And our undrafted free agents, AJ Parker, Jerry Jacobs. I, I mean, what is there more to talk about? He definitely hit it out of the park. And it gets me really excited for the upcoming draft where – you know, he has more time to settle into his job, mm-hmm. more time to actual actually look at the prospects. And more draft It's going to be – and we have more picks. Two first-round picks, two third-round picks. Oh, three third-round picks now. Right. But it's going to be exciting. And now looking at trades, though, this is another unexciting one. We didn't have a lot of trades, and when we did make trades, they weren't really big. We did get Michael Brockers for a seventh round pick, which, yeah, I mean, Michael Brockers didn't do much. I'd so. say he he completely lived up to a seventh round pick. That's yeah. about like all we really got from him this year. And then Trinity Benson, he, I I really don't know what to say about that. I definitely think we missed out on that trade. So I'd give um, trades a D, but overall that would average out to a. I, th- I think a C plus, but just because of how happy I was with the draft and how excited I am for next year's draft, I'm gonna ride that. I'm gonna round up that C plus to a B. Okay. So, um, Brad Holmes gets a B from me. Okay, Austin, I'm gonna throw it to you real quick. After I let Jake know, you forgot about like the biggest trade that happened. The biggest trade that did this year. Matthew Stafford for two. For oh. Th- <laughs> First wow. rounds and Jared Goff wow. and <laughs> you forgot the biggest trade and you're wearing his jersey. <laughs> All right, Austin, <laughs> throw it over to well, you. Well, on that note, <laughs> oh gosh, uh, yeah, you you sit over there in shame. <laughs> All right, Austin, what you got for Brad Holmes? All right, starting off with free agency. Um, honestly, I liked I liked the agents that he signed. Um, obviously, he had some, he had you know quite a few misses. I mean, most notably, the wide receivers that he signed, like uh, Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman. Um, I mean, those I feel like those were the like two biggest misses that he had. Um, I mean, honestly, the, I like the other ones that he had. Uh, I mean, Charles Harris came in; he played really well. Um, uh, Alex Anzalone, uh, he was, you know, a really solid starter for us. Um, I mean, not obviously not a star player, but he played pretty well. Um, Kadarl Hodge, uh, he played pretty well as well. Um, Khalif Raymond looks pretty good. Yeah, sometimes. yeah. I mean, Khalif Raymond as well. So I mean, he had some he had some good picks, but obviously he had he had a few misses. Um, I gave him a C for free agency. Uh, moving on to the draft. Um, I mean, like you said, he he hit that one out of the park. Um, I gave him an A for the draft. 
Um, moving on to trades. Uh, obviously, the Michael Brockers trade for their seventh. Um, I mean, that hard not to go wrong. I mean, that's a seventh round pick. What did we really lose in that? Right. Not a whole lot. Um, I mean, obviously, I, th- I think Brockers, he came in, and I think he was more of a locker room guy sure. than he was going to be a guy on the field. And um, I think he had a lot to do with how, um, you know, Lee McNeil has played this year. Um, and hopefully in the development of Levi O as well. Um, and then obviously the Stafford trade, which um, apparently Jake does not remember that trade. <laughs> um, I thought I forgot Brad Holmes. Brad Holmes was just hired when that happened too. So yeah, yeah, it was just the about a year like, ago. first thing that he did when he got here. Yeah, a it, year okay, a year did before he got to a it Super was Bowl. it was exactly a year when the confetti was going off at the NFC championship game last night. Yep. 6.45 p.m. That's when the... Yeah. That's when the confetti started going on the field. And then... um, I mean... This was sort of draft, but it was technically a trade. Um, He traded up for Derek Barnes. Um... That turned out to be pretty well. Um, Barnes came in. He played pretty well this year. Um, we'll see how he does next year. Mm. And then, obviously, the trade for Trinity Benson. I, I don't like that one at all. Um, Benson didn't come in and really do anything for us this year. Played a little bit on special teams, and that was about it. So, trades... I had a B minus for that, and then overall I gave Brad Holmes a B. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm gonna go now, and so Brad Holmes, we're gonna start back off with the free agency. Um, again, Brad Holmes went into this season not really wanting to get the team, you know, to a level where it's gonna be like a Super Bowl contender or anything like that. He just wanted to. <laughs> fill in some gaps and then let the young guys play where he could um, so he can see what he had. So he did a lot of one-year deals. So a lot of his free agents were not long-term deals. Didn't get a whole bunch of stuff added on, you know, salary cap or anything like that. It was very smart with the way he did it. The few that he did have uh, that busted out like Brashad Perryman, Tyrell Williams did not cost the lions very much at all. Um, I'm not too worried about that, but again, like I said, we didn't get to see really a whole bunch of aggressiveness in free agency just because that kind of wasn't the plan, Um, but I'm going, just because we haven't seen that part yet, I'm giving him a C. Just I think there's tremendous amount of improvement that he'll make in this year because we're in the talent acquisition phase now, like he said. And so he'll have to make some runs in free agency. And, and I think that this year he's going to do much better. I'm really not concerned about the grade of a C for free agency just because we, it just wasn't the plan last year. Um, so that's why I gave him a C for free agency, the draft. Um, oh, one other free agent that needed to be mentioned, uh, uh, 
Craig Reynolds, another free agent that he picked uh, up. That was a yeah. good, good free agent to pick up as well. Um, in the draft, again, Penny Sewell, stud. Levi Onzerike, uh has been up and down, more down than up. He dealt with an injury early on in the year, though, was kind of behind the ball. Um, Brad Holmes expects expects a lot out of him this offseason to take a big step. So we'll see about that for sure. Ali McNeil playing above his his draft position for sure at this point. Hopefully can continue to grow as well. Uh, all of our third our third rounders, Afitu um, Milifanwu, he, he came in and played pretty well, I'd say, against Devontae Adams. Um, he had some flashes for sure. Definitely we'll have to call on him some more, see what they've got in him. Um, but so far, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Fourth rounders, obviously, Amon Ross St. Brown is looking amazing um, for picking him up in the fourth round. And Derek Barnes, it was his second season ever of playing in that position of linebacker. Um, he's still new to it, still learning. And, and in preseason, he did great. Regular season, he kind of didn't do as well. Um, I think with time and good coaching, I'm not going to be worried about him either. I think he's going to be a solid piece for this team. And then, you know, after that point, we're getting into, you know, nitty gritties, fifth round and on. And you're not going to get a whole bunch. And I think what we have only one more, a Sh- sixth Jamar round, Jamar Jefferson. Jefferson. And when he came round. in, he had some flashes as well. So uh, certainly that just even those are looking amazing. Uh, then your free agent, your undrafted free agents, Jerry Jacobs, AJ Parker, even just to get two of them from undrafted free agents that have hit like that. I mean, that's tremendous. So certainly I'm, I'm giving him a B plus in the draft. Um, the only reason I'm giving him a B plus is because when the lions put out their inside the den, um, video about behind the draft, and everything, which if you have not watched that and you love draft, watch it. It is amazing. You get to see all of the makings of what happens during draft day. Um, it was a very, very well done video made by the Detroit Lions. Um, he had options to trade down at some point in certain areas, and he chose not to. Um, that was for Penny Sewell. I'm sure they loved him, so they want to stay there. That's okay. I think it needed to be weighed of the options of moving down, though, and maybe getting somebody else. Um, and then also he was, he had to be told to don't move up back into the first for Levi Anzarike, um, because they almost did move back up into the first round again for him, which would have been a mistake in my opinion. So it would have been dumb. Yeah. He's, he's young to the draft. He, he was a little anxious, I think to get his guys, but, um, I'm giving him a B plus cause overall he did very well. Um, I still think there's a little bit of room for improvement there, especially with learning where guys need to be going and, and taking advantage of maybe some trading opportunities. However, this year he did very good with the draft. Uh, and trades. Obviously, the, the Michael Brockers one, he, you're getting a veteran presence, someone who's, again, a stopgap, can give you a little bit of production. He's not going to flash or anything for you. He's going to get some leadership in the locker room for your young guys and uh, really didn't give up a bunch to get him. Uh, Trinity Benson is the big one that um, brought it down for me. It, we gave up it was a fifth rounder for him and fifth he and not, seventh. Yeah. Fifth and seventh. And he's not done anything. Um, Brad Holmes has come out and said that that trade wasn't really looking towards 2021. It was kind of looking beyond 2021. 
I mean, what are you going to say when, what? I mean, obviously if, if you're a GM, you're going to, I mean, you're going to say, yeah, no, this trade that didn't work out. Obviously we're just wanting him to continue to grow. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that or not, but that's what he said. Trinity Benson trade at this point doesn't look great. And then the biggest one, obviously the Stafford and Jared Goff <laughs> trade. Um, I think that that trade, I don't like that the trade happened because I love having Matthew Stafford on this team. However, if it was forced to happen, I feel like Brad Holmes got the best value back for Matthew Stafford that we could possibly get and put Matthew Stafford in the right position, which started this whole train of treating our players right, making sure we're on the right path of our organization we're kind of going along the same path back with Calvin Johnson, it seems like right now. I think that that Brad Holmes kind of just put us back on the right path for making sure these players are understanding the Lions organization will treat you right. And I think that's, I mean, tremendous value right there. That's You can't really put a number or, you know, or anything on, but I think that means a whole lot to the community and for the Lions organization as a, as a whole. Um so I'm going to give trades a B plus. Uh, so overall I'm giving Brad Holmes a solid, I'm going to give a solid B solid B. He did very well, but there's some room for improvement. That's where I'm going to leave it with Brad Holmes. Did either one of you guys have anything else you wanted to add for grades for either Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, anything you wanted to throw out for any of the coaches or anything. Okay. So we're going to move on now. Uh, we have an, a segment here in the offseason we're going to call question time. Whether that's we're going to get questions from listeners, we're going to get people from, you know, send us something on Twitter um, into our anchor.fm site, which you can send us <clears throat> questions on there as well. But we're going to have questions today. We actually, since we're just starting it off, we kind of came up with some questions to discuss ourselves. And we're going to kind of just talk about it for a little bit because there's not going to be a ton to discuss for this off season. So we're going to do a little big, a little bit of a mailbag question time. So I'm going to start us off today. This is a question to all of us here. What do you think Okuda will look like next year? Predictions on how he looks or, you know, how he plays. Is he a starter? Is he not starting? What does Okuda predictions look like to you and I'll, I'll start off with jake he's gonna be a bona fide starter he's gonna be a very solid starter um as we saw in the offseason he was looking fantastic in training camp he was looking very good regular season hit got an injury week one so we really didn't get to see him mm-hmm. we and now all the lions most lions fans are now like yeah he's a bust we, we we saw him rookie year with Matt Patricia, Austin. <laughs> real quick, we saw, we I'll add. Re- yeah, I'll add on to that real quick. It, do, if you remember from Matt Patricia days, we talked about how no corner can cover in that scheme where they're not getting any pressure at all. So no corner looked good in that in that scheme at all. Yeah, not even Darius Slay looked good. Right. All right, go ahead, Jake. Keep going. Uh, he had Matt Patricia to work with. Eh. Gets Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn to work with. Starts to look very good in training camp. Gets injured week one. I mean, 
and you, you can y'all can say what you want about that play that happened against the 49ers where he let out that big touchdown. If I remember correctly, it was Debo Samuel though who got that touchdown. Yes, it was. Debo Samuel, I'd say a top three wide receiver last season. And it was decently close coverage still, just yeah. he kind of fell down on it. I I want to I want the Lions fans to stop about that. He did he is coming off a big injury, but mm. if I'm if I'm gonna if I'm gonna see what I'm what what I'm hearing right now, he's gonna be a very good starter for us. Yeah, and if you look at Cam Akers, right, he had the same exact injury, and right now he's playing great for the Rams mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. After six months, I mean, what a tremendous recovery. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Yeah. Hope I mean, we've got a couple guys that are on there in that same injury, so hopefully, you know, we can have some of that same stuff. But all right. Austin, I'm going to throw it over to you because I know you feel different. (laughs) I feel like I'm getting ganged up on here. No, Um, this is discussion time. (laughs) Discussion time. You're you're free to say whatever you want. This is a safe space, Austin. This is a safe space. You can throw out your hottest takes at all on this one. And and we're just going to discuss. We will not judge you. (laughs) Um, I am very torn on Jeff Okuda. Um I I didn't like the pick when um when we first got him at all. Um I I mean I hate to say it but I think part of it has to do with he went to Ohio State. But um <laughs> You can't show your bias there. Austin hey, anytime I, anytime I really that... like Taylor Decker. I really like him. <laughs> Whenever there's like a an implicit bias training at work, Austin's like, "No, nah, I'm not doing that." Nope. No. <laughs> if that's the case, we're not drafting Aiden Hutchinson. Oh. Oh. Go green. <laughs> All right, keep going, Austin. All right. This well, is turning into a anyways. less safe space. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. I, mean, I, I really didn't like the pick. Sure. Whether it have to do with he went to Ohio State or whether it be we drafted a cornerback at, you know, number whatever, three, three overall. Obviously, that was the old regime, so that was in the past. But, I mean, he's come in and he's played, what, six, seven games in total for us? In two Probably years, like four or five, I think. So, I mean, unless he comes out and absolutely balls out this year, I'm saying he is a bust. But, I mean, he could totally recover from this injury, like, you know, we've seen from other guys. Um, he could come in and he could play absolutely lights out for us this year, which, I mean, I would love to see that, you know. Obviously, I want him to prove me wrong. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean. But, can what? I just mention, though, that he was drafted over A.J. Terrell and Trayvon Diggs in that draft. That clearly has to mean something because A.J. Terrell was the second best cornerback in the league this year. There's really no debate to that. He was locked down all year. And Trayvon Diggs led the NFL in interceptions. So. He also led the NFL for most yards against him. 
I know. He was terrible in coverage, <laughs> but he got the picks. Let's not talk about that. But... <laughs> I mean, we're just Jeff saying, though, it's, I mean, you know, big shoes to fill. Sure. <clears throat> yeah, so let, so obviously, if you're taking a cornerback at pick three, the amount of pressure that's going to be on him to live up to a certain standard is tremendous. And I think that's part of the reason why he did not show very much his first year. He showed some, especially in like that Arizona Cardinal game, which I just oh, yeah. actually went back and rewatched that game again just to see Okuda, to see how he played. And, and in that game, he played re- very well. Um, I went back just to do a study of Okuda to see, you know, what am I missing something on him? Is, is he actually going to, you know, play well when he comes back? Is he not going to play well? The thing with Okuda is sometimes he just gets in his head too much when he's in his head thinking, which our last regime or regime, that's all they did was like, you, you have to play smart. So you have to be in your head thinking about the defense and everything, which is why the corners looked awful. And with this new team and new regime, their things just go out and play. Okuda has all of the measurables to do it. He just has to get out of his head and play. I think one of the reasons that Jerry Jacobs does played so well is because he's not sitting there thinking the whole time. He's just going out there and letting his body react. He's just letting it do it. And, and because of that, I think he played very well. Um, which I think because Jerry Jacobs and Okuda are, are good friends when they start doing, you know, workouts and stuff, I think that's going to help out Okuda. Um, I just don't, when this off season was this last off season, going into training camp and everything, Okuda was taking such a large leadership role. He was kind of leading the defense. He was making some plays. He was being accountable for, you know, mistakes. He was the one that was, it looked like he was going to be the leader for this team. Um, and then the injury happened week one. And I mean, you just had to feel bad because I had a feeling we were really going to see something with him with Aubrey Pleasant, with Aaron Glenn, I mean, the cards were just written for him to have a great year. And then he got injured with a with a tough injury to come back from. I think that if if Jeff Okuda can get fully healthy and can get a nice offseason work in and just limit the injuries, I really think that he can have a pretty decent year. He might not be locked down or he might not be you know, tearing it up all over the field, but he will have a nice year, like an Amani or Warrior type of year. Maybe not with the picks, but a nice solid year for him to continue to build on. Remember, he's only played in six games. He hasn't had a whole lot of games to continue to grow. So he's still basically like a like a fresh face in this team. He's still gonna have his freshman issues, which a lot of Lions fans are going to be like, he's his third year in the season. He can't be doing this kind of stuff. That's a bust. He's only had a couple games. Give him some time. I really do think that he's going to play great and he's going to continue to grow. If he has a full a full season where he just looks awful with these coaches, there's no reason to think that he can do it at that point. But if he's showing some room for improvement, just like this <coughs> team this year, if we are showing improvements... I'll have full faith. I will have full faith. I'm sorry, Jake. Did I put you to sleep there? 
Teflon day. <laughs> All right. Jake, you had a question too, right? Oh, yeah. It's a big one. Okay. What you got? It's kind of relating back to the Bengals conversation earlier. So clearly, with the Bengals going to the Super Bowl this year, when no one expected it at all, mm-hmm. I pretty much everyone expected them to be last of the North and one of the worst teams once again. They shut out everyone. They silenced everyone. They had the team without the a lot of big-name players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Their biggest name is Jesse Bates. That's basically it. Trey Hendrickson, too. Fine. But they don't have a lot of big names, and they had a lot of young players show out. We have the coaching staff to do this. I'd, I'd definitely say we have a better coaching staff than we do than the Bengals do. Do you guys think if we play the draft of agency well, we could compete for a playoff spot. Or we could, because uh, we're not going to say Super Bowl, but de- I'm definitely considering now we could be in the playoffs next year. Mm. Boston, you want to start with this one? Because, like, can I just say my answer first? Sure. If that's okay. Yep. Because I feel really passionate about this, because actually we could be a playoff team. If we just think about this correctly, if we draft in the first round, one of our first round picks is a wide receiver. Not, not the the second overall pick, Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson. Those are big pieces that we filled there. Jared Goff gets another target, plus TJ Hawkinson healthy again, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, a healthy offensive line, plus for another free agent wide receiver, I'm assuming, Josh Reynolds and Amon Ross St. Brown. That offense is basically set, in my opinion. Plus, the Jared Goff, we got to subtract a few points there. Whatever. He's been to the playoffs before. He's he's clearly knows how to lead a team somehow. Our defense, our defense is improving. And if we, we're definitely going to focus most of the draft on the defense. And I definitely think I may be chugging Kool Aid right now, but I. I think we could be a playoff team next year, especially, especially with this NFC North. Vikings getting new GM and head coach. Bears getting new GM and head coach. Aaron Rodgers is probably going to. Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams could definitely leave Green Bay. It's up for grabs, and I think we can grab it. Okay, Austin, what about you? What do you think? Is there a shot? I look don't at the Bengals this year. Okay, yeah. They're the Bengals, though. We are we are the Detroit Lions. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? Just, I mean, yes, they went out and they did that. Um, I I don't see it. I mean, yeah, we have a we have a pretty easy schedule this next year. Um, oh, especially with our schedule. Especially with our schedule. So we can't really say with our schedule, right? Because I... of the parity in NFL, all of, like the teams that you think might be bad this year aren't. Obviously, yeah. look at the Bengals. They were just picking in the top five last year. Now they're heading to the Super Bowl. So yeah, teams you think, think are going to be bad at the, begin- at the end of last season are not going to be bad. Not all of them are going to be bad next season. 
But some of the good ones will be bad. So this also has to be taken into account. I... In the Bengals division, they have Steelers, Browns, and Ravens. They That's a good division. Mm, uh, I would disagree. Steelers, garbage. Steelers have a good roster. They just have a lot of ego in their roster. Browns have a good roster, but they have Baker Mayfield. Ravens were plagued with injuries this season. They're still a good team, though. So I, I don't think it was a necessarily an easy division, but that could be argued. Here's what I'll say. I think, and this is the reason why NFL, I think, is so loved. It's possible for any team to go any year, be the worst team in the league, and get up to Super Bowl the next year. It's it's possible for any team to do that. Because they have, like, we see, like obviously the, the lowest teams get to do, like the Lions are doing this year, go to Senior Bowl, coach, get to see these players a little bit, you know, closer. If they hit on the draft pieces, hit good in free agency, it's possible. It is, there is always, that's why... We come back every single year, and every team's drinking Kool-Aid because they think this could be the year for every team. Because that's just the way it is. It can. It hasn't for the Lions for these past however many years. It's different. But it can. I think if you're asking, could it be the Lions? Sure. Realistically, will the Lions be in in the playoffs next year? I doubt it. I doubt it. I feel like we're a few pieces away, and our team's going to be so young. I don't think we'll be able to be in play. I think the very ceiling that we could be hitting, I think, could be in the hunt for a playoff spot. Maybe fighting for a playoff. I highly doubt it, but very top ceiling, like we are just punching through every ceilings. Maybe fight for a playoff spot. I just think we have too many young guys right now, and I, I think we're just a little far away from being at that point yet. I think we're still a few pieces away. Austin, you feel kind of the same way, or yeah? Did I hit everything? I mean, right? I mean, honestly, for me, for next year, if we get anything more than six wins, that's that's a win for me for next season yeah I think I think it's definitely possible I don't see it happening next year though because there's just so much unknown um, but certainly it's definitely possible but unlikely Austin do you have you like a... that take though good take it was it was I liked it Austin you got another question for us a final one I got one. Okay, let's hear it. I, I don't think you're going to like it. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, here's my question. Is TJ Hawkinson worth tight end money? Mm, this is a good question. And that's this is like good. 10 to $12 million per year. Okay. Let's have a conversation. I'm going to go last on this one because... TJ Hawkinson is my boy. He's right here. Bobblehead form. Okay, go ahead. Jake, I'll start with you. He is. He's worth tight end money. Have you seen him when he's healthy? Have you seen how he can carry this offense with a good quarterback when he's healthy? 
Keyword oh, yeah. is when he's healthy. Keyword, he got injured last year, and then I think and the one year season. before. Yeah, true. He his injury is a bit of a concern, but he was the best tight end in the whole NFC last year, uh, two years ago. So, I think he's worth tight end money. Okay, Austin, let's hear your. Take I don't on have it. much to say about that. I just think he is. I mean, just from the production that we've gotten from him, he's played, what, not even two full seasons with how many games he's missed? He was out, what, um, pretty early on his first season with IR to the end of the season, right? His second season, he played the whole season. Right. I I think... He might have gotten two full seasons in. It's very close. Very close to two full seasons. Okay, so very, very close. So, I mean, I'm just looking at the production that we've gotten from him. Um, When he's been healthy, yeah, he's played great. Has he been... uh, Has he been a Kelsey? Has he been a Kittle? Has he been a Mark Andrews? Um, At times. No. No, he's he's had his moments, but he's never had any absolutely amazing games. What about his first ever game? His first ever game. His, his first, first game. rookie game against Cardinals put up a hundred yeah. yards. That's about it. Okay. He's had he's had some good games, but he's never had he's had one or two like really good games. Okay. So there's Austin's point, there's Jake's point. Here's my take on this. And as the Hawkinson expert here in the room, I'm going to make the final statements here. <laughs> TJ Hawkinson a hundred percent gets a new deal with the Detroit Lions. I don't think he he breaks the banks for it. I think he will get a high-paid tight end salary, but it's not going to be one that's a record setter. Um, I think he's going to understand that he he's a very solid piece to this team, and the Lions are going to want to pay him. So they're gonna they're the Lions are going to overpay him a little bit for what the stats that they've gotten, but the Lions one can't afford to get rid of a, a player like him. Two, um, he's he has come through at the biggest times. Remember against the Falcons the la- uh, last year, that last mm-hmm. second touchdown. He's Jared Goff's security blanket. Um, he is a whole nother piece of this team that is a homegrown talent that the Lions need to start building around. And they did it with Frank Ragnow. They've done it with Taylor Decker. And they're going to do it with TJ Hawkinson as well. It's not going to be the highest paid tight end money, but he will get overpaid for the stats that he put up um, for sure. I would I would be willing to put money on that because we just can't afford to lose more good players, especially when we're rebuilding. We just can't afford to do it. That's my take. And TJ Hawkinson agrees, right? He's bobbling up and down. Yes, for all of you listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, which you can listen to us on. 
if you did not know that. Well, did you guys have any other questions? Any other comments? Nope. We're, we're getting pretty close to here to the end of our time, so I'll go ahead and wrap it up for us. We're going to probably have another episode in maybe a week or two. We don't really know when we feel like it. See if anything happens uh, worth you know noting. Our next podcast, we might talk real briefly about free agency. Um, it's very tough to do with free agency, but I know we want to start talking about draft. Right, We want to start talking about draft, and there's a couple guys up front in the draft that we need to talk about, and we're actually going to have a guest on with us, um, a good friend of mine, Ryan Keller, is going to be joining us. He is a big uh, Notre Dame guy, and we're going to actually talk a little bit about Kyle Hamilton, what um, all he really is, because he has a good perspective on him. He watched him a lot. He can give us a little lowdown on uh, Kyle Hamilton, and we can have some discussions on that about what we're going to do early on in the draft. So that might be next episode. It might be in two episodes. We're not really sure. We'll kind of play that out when we get there. But something to look forward to for sure. As always, make sure you are following the podcast on our anchor.fm site if you're not doing so already. Like I said, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We are now on YouTube as well, so you can watch us and our pretty faces. And you can head on over there and give us a follow as well. Subscribe to our channel. Uh, and that way you can see whenever we put out a new episode. Um, with all of that, we all wish you a wonderful, wonderful week. And go Matthew Stafford! <laughs>